This is Truth and Love Ministries, where we bring people home to God by learning His truth and experiencing His unending love. Did you know God made you in three parts? You are a spirit that has a soul and lives in a body. In this week's message, we discuss your soul and uncover why it's a valuable part of who you are. We pray this message refreshes you and speaks encouragement to whatever is going on in your life right now. Now for the message, Valuing Your Soul. Good morning, everybody. What a blessing it is to be in the house of God, to be in the presence of God, to be in the land of the living. So much is going on in in America and the world. So much has transpired over one week's time. It's a great opportunity for us to look back and to, to think about how awesome God is, how awesome he's been to us, how he's brought us through some difficult times and days, and how he's provided for us, how he's loved us and kept us, protected us, provided for us, and he continues to do that on a consistent basis. Just a a brief update, we are 461,000 plus people that have died from the coronavirus, we need to continue to pray. There are 26 million, if I'm not mistaken, that has, has been infected in some way, shape, or form by the disease. We still need to pray for the Biden-Harris administration, for God to lead them and guide them and direct them on what to do about this pandemic and how to resolve the issues that that they are facing and the nation is dealing with the economic situation, the racial divide, the division in the Congress and the Senate. We need to just continually pray for our nation and the nation's leaders and government. We need to pray continually for the frontline workers. We need to pray for God to bless them, lead them, guide them, direct them as well and that he would touch them and keep them and protect them and their families as they put themselves at risk for others and really put their families at risk. We need to pray for the scientists that's diligently working, the people that's producing vaccines, and we need to pray against any side effects that comes with this new vaccine from Johnson & Johnson, which supposedly only requires one shot, so That'll be a, a plus and a blessing, plus another, another vendor on the, online to produce vaccines. So there's a lot going on in the country. There's a lot going on in the world. And we need to really consistently intercede and pray for God to move and to intervene and to help in these situations. I truly believe that he's involved in everything and all things. He's working and moving in the midst of them. He's faithful to execute righteousness in every case. And even though the world looks as if it is out of control, it is well within hand. And God is still in control and on the throne. We need to pray for, we have some of our own that has contracted contracted, uh, the uh, virus. We need to pray 
and we still believe God. We still believe God is, is going to do what he promised, even though, yea, though I walk through the valley and the shadow of death, I feel no evil. I fear no evil, for thou art with me, thy word, rod, and thy staff. They comfort me. We still believe that God is answering that prayer that he inspired us to pray. He's keeping us. He's protecting us. There's a, quite a few people on my job that either, either has been infected or been around somebody that's been infected. So, you know, I'm grateful that God has kept me and kept all of our people and family and friends. So, today... We want to venture on to a new subject, um, and, it's, and it's about the soul, about valuing our soul. We really need to know the importance of the soul, and we really need to know the value of a soul. We need, really need to know the operation of the soul and how it works and how it affects our everyday life and living because it plays a major part in everything that we do, and we need to understand that. I want to begin with Mark chapter 8 and verse 35 and 36 and 37. It says, For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, but whosoever will lo shall lose his life for my sake and the gospels, the same shall save it. For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world, and listen at this, and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul. There's a lot in that, there's a lot in that what, what Jesus just spoke. I mean, you think about, he's, he's saying, he's saying, he's saying, now what can, what can a man give? What can you give? And I, I want to bring out four things that he, he, he talked about here. And one of them is the value. Our soul is valuable. Our soul is valuable. Listen to what Jesus said again. He said, he said what, if, what, what shall it profit a man, in verse 36, if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? He said, what shall he profit? I mean, think about what he's saying. What would it be like if, we, if I had everything in the world, everything, if I gained, he said, the whole world? If I gain the whole world and lose my soul. And then he also said, what, and what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? What are you willing to give in exchange for your soul? Now he's expressing to us how valuable our soul is. The very, 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 very first point I want to make. And the second point I want to make is that it can be lost. It can be lost. It said, you know, he said, it, it gain, his, gain the whole world and lose, in other words, lose his soul. So he's basically telling us now what the value of our soul, that you could gain everything in the whole world and lose your soul and it's not even worth it. And he said, now you could gain, you can actually lose your soul. Your, your soul could actually be lost. And then he also is teaching us that. He said, now, our soul, it can be saved. So if it can be lost, we definitely know that it, the opposite of that is that it can actually be saved. So he, he, he's teaching us three things. He said, now, he said, our soul is valuable. 
And he said, what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? What if he, what if he pr gains the whole world? What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? And what shall he give in exchange for his soul? And then he said, he said, he said that, and, and the last thing he said, it should be, our souls should be cared for. Our souls should be cared for. In other words, you got to do some work. You got to protect this thing. You got to take care of it. You got to, you know, Proverbs chapter four, you know, he, he said, he, you know, guard your heart with all diligence for out of it flows the issues of life. He basically tells us to guard and protect our soul and care for it. You know, David said in, in the book of Psalms, he said, he restoreth my soul. In other words, the soul had been, had been, uh, uh, had, had deviated from its original state or, or original intent. And David was saying he, that Jesus could actually, his shepherd would restore his soul. You know, and then you get into, in the book of James, I, I believe it said, you know, talking about receive the word of meekness, which is able to what, save your soul. And then, you know, uh, several, several scriptures that, that uh, speak on the soul. So, you know, let's talk a little bit about who the soul a, a little bit. It says the soul is, is the seed of who we, who we are. It, 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 it contains our memory, our feelings, our imaginations, our convictions, our desires, and our affections, you know. So the soul is comprised of a lot of things, and, and, it, and, it's, and it's critical. It is, it is a critical and very important part of us. It is a critical and very important part of us. And, and I want to bring something to your mind. I want to uh, talk just a, just a moment about 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. It says, glorify God in your spirit and your body, which are God's. So I want you to notice that he left out the soul. He left out the soul. He said, now the spirit and the body belongs to God. Now, why did he leave out the soul? He left out the soul because within the soul is the mind, the will, and the emotions, and God will not violate your will. He won't violate your will. So he's basically telling you now, it's up to us what we do with the soul. And then think, think again about what, what Mark said, Mark said, what if a man shall gain the whole world and lose his soul? In other words, he's saying, what if you gain everything in the world, every temporal thing, and lose the one eternal thing? Wow. Something to consider, something to think about, something to think about. And we spend a lot of our time trying to gain temporal things and a lot of times we do it at the expense of eternal things which is our soul so let's ask the question why does our soul matter why does it why, why, why does our soul matter and if you and if you reflect back you know to Genesis chapter 2 uh, you'll see that God made man in two stages. He actually created man in two stages. First, the Bible said God formed man from the dust of the ground. This is in Genesis chapter 2, and I believe it's around verse 6 and 7, somewhere in that area. He said God created man from the dust of the ground. In other words, 
God made man from dirt, from a chemical element, a physical element, dirt. Now, that is the only thing that we have in common with the animals. Because if you go to, I believe it's verse 19, in Genesis chapter 2 or verse 1, or chapter 1, I can't remember exactly, but it's verse 19. And it says that God created all the fowls of the air, the cattle and everything, and the plants from the, from the, from the dust of the ground. In other words, we were made from the dust of the ground. That's what we have in common with the animals. Okay? That's the only thing that we have in common with, common with the animals is the chemical makeup, the place where we were formed. But the difference between us and the animal is is that in Genesis chapter 2 verse number 7 it says and then God breathed into man the breath of life and he became what a living soul now it does not say that God breathed into the animals it said he created them from that from the from the dust and then I guess when he created them they begin to breathe and fly and move and do what they do but man was laying on the ground as a, just a body, just a body laying up on the ground, and, 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 and really a dead man laying up on the ground, waiting upon God to breathe in him, and God breathed in him the breath of life, and he became a living soul. So the, the, the value of our soul, why our soul matters, is that it was breathed into us by God. It was breathed into us by God. That's, why, that's one reason why it matters. And, and, and it gives us the capability of knowing God, the ability to relate to God, to enjoy God. And, 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 and it also gives us the opportunity to sin against God. So now the animals don't have this. So this is what distinguishes us from the animals, is that we have... A soul, and we are able to enjoy God and relate to God and communicate and fellowship with God. We're able to do all of these things and, and enjoy Him. And, and the breath of God is what makes us different than the animals. Okay? So, now the second thing is this, why our soul matters is, it is the source of all your achievements in life. Everything good that has come in life originates from the soul. And I'm not just talking about you and, you and I, I'm talking about everything that we can see, everything that you can physically lay your eyes upon, it came, it originated from the soul realm. It, origin, it originated from the soul realm. See, everything that you see was actually inside of a man before it actually became a physical thing. Music, one of those things. It, it was inside of somebody. And then it came out of them through the soul, through their hands. Art is the same way. Every picture that you see painted, it didn't, we didn't just walk up one day and say, oh, a picture. No, that picture originated within someone and came outside of them through their hands, but it originated in the soul. Science, the ability to know, to explore, to discover, all came from the soul, a desire to know, 
And I believe God put these desires on the inside of us to know and to explore and to, and to understand. And then you think about business and all of the entities that go into business. All of this came from the soul. Some man was sitting somewhere and all of this was going on on the inside of him. And then he let, released it through his mouth and through his hands, but it originated in the soul. And then if you think about, man, you think about, think about sports. You know, we look at sports as being a physical contact, a body activity. But the truth of it is, it, it, it originates away as well in the, in the soul. Because sports depend on the body, but it also depends on a commitment, discipline, and application, and a desire of the soul, as, as well as a man who's physically fit. If you find somebody that's physically fit, it does not start with the hands. And that's where we lose it when we try to lose weight and we try to do different things concerning our bodies. We try to start with the body when the truth of the matter is we have to start with the soul. Because it is the soul where all of this stuff originates and then the soul gives direction to your body. And if and if, if, if sports and physical fitness was a bodily, bodily activity, then what was James talking about when he said, as the body without the spirit is dead? See, the body without the soul is literally a dead thing. So we see, why, is our soul, why does our soul matter? Because it was breathed into us by God. It is the source of all, our, all, all of our achievement, achievements in life. Everything that we do, it comes from the soul. And the third thing is, the soul is the cause of all of our sin. The soul is the cause of all of our sin. Now, if you read in, in, in James chapter 1 and, and get around 13 and 14, you know, let no man say, when I'm tempted, I'm tempted of God, for God tempts no man with evil. But every man, when he is tempted... The Bible says he is drawn away of his own lust or desire. And then when lust has conceived, it brings forth sin. Sin, when it is finished, brings forth death. And so we see that the source of sin originates where? In the soul. Temptation may come from the world. It may come from the flesh. It may come from the devil. But it attaches itself to the soul. And it attaches itself to the soul. Why? Because the soul is sticky toward sin. In other words, it, it just grabs, grabs onto it. Because if that were not the cause, temptation, if that, were not the, if that were not true, and the case, temptation wouldn't be a problem. We would just, whew, just walk right on by it. It would be like uh, uh, egg to Teflon. It wouldn't stick. It wouldn't stick. But because sin originates in the soul, and when temptation is, is seen through the world, through the flesh, through the devil, then the soul is what causes it to stick to us. It's what causes it to stick to us. You know, just say if I saw a house that I couldn't afford. If my soul was pure, I would just say, you know, I can't afford that and move on because, you know, I can't, I can't afford it. But because greed is actually in the soul, 
guess what I do? I come up with some kind of plan and some kind of scheme, and then because I come up with this plan and this scheme, I create more problems. And that's what we do. When we desire something, when we long for something, when we want something from the soul, it actually causes us to do what we do. And then anger and all the, the violence and evil things that we want to do that proceeds from anger, it originates in the soul. It actually comes from the soul. So if you look at that, and then, you, and then, and then don't, don't, we don't even want to get to the other one, which is pride. And pride is, 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 uh, is, pride, pride is, is our desire to be God to ourselves, to totally separate from God and be our own God and do what we want to do when we want to do it and how we want to do it. So it is, it, is, it, is a part of, it is a part of what's in the soul, and it, stems, it comes from the soul. And Jesus said, actually in Mark chapter 7 and verse 21, he said, all these things proceed from inside of us. He said, fornication, adulterers, murders, all these things proceed from the heart of man. They come from the soul. And this is why our soul is so critical and so important because it comes from the heart. We think sin is from the outside, but it is the stickiness from the soul on the inside. So when temptation comes, it attaches itself to you. The soul's internal desire, it stays, it grows, it becomes an idea, it becomes a thought, an action, and then it actually becomes a pattern of behavior. If our soul was pure, Temptation would just slide off, like I said, like, like egg on, te on Teflon. It's not pure, and therefore, the soul receives it, retains it, welcomes it, embraces it, and the soul holds on to it. And note this, that it is also the source of all you struggle with in this life. The soul... The soul is the source of all we struggle with in this life. So the soul is critical. Let's 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 do them again. The the the, the um, it was breathed by God. It's the source of all of our achievements. It is the cause of our sin. And then number four is that it will last forever. In Matthew chapter 10, verse number 28, it says this. It says, Jesus said, fear not him who can, who kill, who can kill the body, but fear him who can kill both body and soul. Both can be destroyed in hell. So he said, now, don't fear anybody that can just only, only kill the soul. And understand this, your life has a beginning, but it will never have an end. Yeah, I'm, 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 yeah your body will die. You will, you will die some, by some means, some method, some way. It will die, and it will be buried. But your life will continue on. Your life will continue. Your life will continue. Why? Because the body came from the ground. And 
as we say, at funerals, and as God told, God God said to Adam, he said, from dust you came, and from dust shall you return. We say ashes to ashes, dust to dust. And we also say that the imperishable spirit will return to God from when, who gave it. And so my body, sure, is going gonna, gonna to die. It's going to return to the ground. But my soul that was breathed into me by God is going to last forever. And for the person that may be thinking about if you, are, if, you, if you want to follow Christ, consider your soul. It can be saved and lost. The world may say it's not worth it. But Jesus said, try and save your life and you'll lose it. But he said, if you trust it to him, you'll gain it. Now, the fifth thing about the soul is this. It will experience everlasting joy or misery. It will experience everlasting joy or everlasting misery. When you look at the book of Luke, it talks about the rich man that fared sumptuous every day and you know he was dressed in purple and fine linen. He ate the best of foods. And then it talks about the beggar that was named Lazarus who laid at his gate waiting for the crumbs that fell from the rich man's table. And he had sores all over his body and the dog came and licked his sores. And then it also says, he says, it says now the rich man died and what? He was buried. And, he, and it says Lazarus, was, Lazarus died. And he said the angels came and took Lazarus into Abraham's bosom. And then it, then it goes on and, and gives us a, 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 a picture of what was actually happening by happening after this death. It said now the rich man was, was in Hades and he lifted, lifted up his eyes and he saw Abraham and he said, Father Abraham, send Lazarus that he may dip his finger in water and cool my parched tongue for I'm in torment in these flames. Abraham replied, there's a gulf between us and Lazarus can't come from me to you and you can't come from where you are to where we are. And, and, and then the rich man said, he said, now, he said, he said, he said, man, he said, I got five brothers back on the earth. He said, he said, send, send somebody from the dead to warn them that, about this place. And they, and, and, and Abraham told him, said, said, they better hear Moses and the prophets. He said, they wouldn't even believe it if one came back from the dead. He said, they need to hear Moses and the prophets. So there's some things about the soul here that, that the soul can experience and it will experience everlasting joy or everlasting misery. I want you to note something else too that now when, when the rich man died, it said his, his body was buried, showed us he, he was buried. And then, then, it, then we see where his soul was still in existence. He was, even though he died, he was still alive, which proves what I said. Soul lives eternally. It, it lives forever. It, it lasts forever. And then I want you to see that also that his soul was still aware. It still had an awareness. Why? Because when he looked up, now think about this. Abraham didn't live, I don't believe, in the time that this man lived, in the time that Jesus was telling this story. Abraham had already lived and died. So, now, when the man died, he saw Abraham and recognized him. He spoke to Abraham. 
So when we transition from this body and we lead this world, we have a recognition of people that we see. And he also said, send Lazarus that he may dip his finger in water and cool my parched tongue for I'm tormented in these flames. Now, I want you to understand also that he saw and recognized Lazarus. So no doubt when he went out of his house, went out of his gate, and, and he saw this man laying at his, at his gate waiting on crumbs that fall from the rich man's table and, and, and the dog licking his sores and, and probably thought nothing of him, wouldn't give anything to him. So think about what he, what, 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 he, what he saw. I want you to also think this. He also had the same mindset that he had on earth. Listen at him giving orders. Abraham, send Lazarus down here to dip his finger in water and cool my parched tongue. In other words, he still wanted somebody to serve him, and he still thought somebody should come and serve him, and he still looked down on Lazarus as the one that should have. He still looked at Lazarus, send Lazarus. He didn't say, Abraham, can you dip your finger in water and come and dip and cool my parched tongue? He said, no. He said, send that beggar that used to be laying outside of my gate. Send him, let him dip his finger in water and let him cool my parched tongue for I'm tormented in this flame. In other words, let him come serve me still. He still has the same soul and the same mindset that he had when he was living on the earth. He still think that he should be served. He still think that he's somebody. Again. And see, death takes life from the body, but not the soul. One went to one place of joy, the other went to one place of torment, and you can't pass from one to the other. We got a heaven to pursue and a hell to avoid. We need to be pursuing heaven and trying to do everything that we can to avoid hell. And there's something you got to ask yourself. To lose the soul is the ultimate disaster because it can't be recovered. Notice what he said. He said there's a gulf between us. In other words, whatever state you die in, that's the state you remain in. There's no recovering the soul after death. There's no, there's no opportunity for salvation of the soul after we leave this world. The rich man died, and he was in the same state. He was in the place of torment for, for eternity. And, the, and Lazarus died, and he went to the play Abraham's bosom, which nobody could go to heaven at that particular time because Jesus had not died and went to heaven and poured his blood on the mercy seat and went into the Holy of Holies for us. And so no man could actually access heaven except Jesus himself and so he every man went to an upper compartment of hell which is called Abraham's bosom kind of like a holding place until Jesus actually went to hell and preached the gospel to them they had to still receive the gospel in order for them to go to heaven and so after they after Jesus preached the gospel the Bible says when he rose from the dead he brought the saints of old with him and they walked the streets he walked the streets with the saints of old so when Jesus went to hell, preached the gospel, Moses and all these people had to hear the gospel. They had, had, had to hear the gospel and they had to accept it. And so you got to ask yourself this question, will your soul be saved? Or will it be lost? Okay, so let's look at three things. I think I got three things. 
I, I look at three things, how a soul can be lost, why, and how it happens. How a soul can be lost and why it happens. What causes our soul to be lost? Number one, number one, and I believe number one is one of the greatest of them all, and it is the soul by starving our soul. We starve our soul. As Jesus said in Matthew chapter 4, and I think it's the same as said in Deuteronomy chapter 8, you know, he said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. Note that he said, now man, he didn't say man didn't have to have bread to live because he's telling us, he said, now you got to have bread to live for your physical body to live. But he said, now in order for your soul to live, it's got to have a word from God. It's got to have a word from God. And I want to say this. I want to say that even if the soul, even as the body has to, listen to me good, even though you eat, let me say this, e even if you eat and just say, if I eat and I throw it right back up, I guess what? I still die, even though food passed into my mouth, into my stomach, and I, and, I, and, I, and, I, and I regurgitated it back up. I still die because I didn't receive any nutrition from it. So in other words, what I have to do is I have to put the food in my mouth, I have to chew it, and I have to chew it and chew it until it can go down my throat, and then it goes into my stomach. My stomach breaks it down through a process of acids and, 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 and other things in my stomach, and, and then my body, it breaks it down and separates the nutrients from the food, and then it dumps the waste into the colon and processes it out. So basically what I'm telling you is, and I want you to think about the, 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 the operation of the body. If the operation of the body works that way, then the operation of the soul works the same way. In other words, I got to receive the word. I got to chew on it, meditate. That's, that's what chewing is. I got to meditate on it. The, the Bible says to chew the cud. The, 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 the cow, they say he's got two stomachs. He actually chew it, and then he, then he regurgitates it, and then he chews it again, and he gets all the nutrients out of it. He gets all the nutrients out of the grass or hay or grain or whatever, whatever it is he's eating. And so what I'm telling you is that we have to digest out the word as we do our food. We can't just, we can't just run through it. We got we to gotta, we gotta chew on it until we actually receive the nutrition from it and it has an effect on the soul or the spirit part of man. Okay? So we can starve it to death. We can starve our soul. We, we neglect it. And, and there's a story in Luke chapter 12, verse 19. You know, the Bible says a rich man, you know, his, his barn, his, 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 his property had produced plentifully. And he looked around. And he said, man, I got, I got, man, I got so much, so much stuff. I got so much stuff. He said, I don't even know what to do with it. He said, I know what I'll do. I said, I'll build me bigger barns, and I'll store this stuff up for myself. And he said, he said I'll, I'll say to my soul, take thine ease, eat, drink, be merry. And the Bible says that that same night, I want to say God spoke to him and said, thou fool, this night shall what? Your soul be required of you. This night, today, this night, your soul is going to be required of you. 
And so, in other words, he spent all of his time, he spent all of his time gaining the world. Back to my, one of my first original points. He spent all of his time gaining the world and did what? Lost the most important part of him, his soul. What does it profit a man if he gained the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? So he spent the most, he, he spent the, the bit, he spent most, all of his life working to gain material, material, materials and things. And then the same man, the same way with the man in Luke chapter 16. This man, the Bible says he's fair, he fared sumptuously every day. He ate the best of foods. He lived in the American dream. In the same way with the man in, 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 uh, in uh, let's see what scripture that I have, in, in Luke chapter 12. In Luke 16 and Luke 12, these two men both spent their time gaining the world, materialism. They spent their time gaining the world, and what did they do? They neglected their soul. They neglected the most important part of them, which is the soul. They neglected their soul. And by them neglecting their soul, guess what? Their soul was strangled, starved. They starved it. And then the next thing that we do to the soul is we strangle it. We strangle it. And so well, we strangle the soul. If you look at Mark chapter 4, and I believe it's verse number 19, and, 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 and it, it talks about a, a soul being strangled. In Mark chapter 4, verse 19, you know, the cares of this world choke it. Busy. We neglect it. We neglect our soul. And it, and it strangles. We're so caught up. We're so busy, we're so tied up with the things of this world, and here again, it all ties back to the first scripture that I gave you. What does it profit a man if he gains the, gains the world and loses his soul? So basically, he, at the expense of his soul, he's pursuing things and neglecting and strangling his soul. The stuff that he's pursuing is strangling his soul. In verse 19, in Mark chapter 4, it's saying the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the lust of other, other things enter in, choke the word, and it becometh unfruitful. So in other words, it's strangled. It's strangled. The soul becomes strangled. Why? Because we are pursuing so many things. And, you know, I've always, I've always read this when I used to study grass and stuff. I was, always, I was interested when I did, when I was doing lawn maintenance, I was interested in how to make grass grow and make it green and make it pretty. And, and I found this out that weeds actually have a deeper tap root than grass. Grass is more surface, has a more surface root, and, and weeds have a deeper tap root. That's why when you see the rain, when, it, when there's no rain, the weeds are still thriving and the grass is struggling because the grass roots are surface. The weeds have a deeper root. And my point is, my point is this, and if you get enough weeds in the grass, it'll eventually choke the grass out and the whole yard will be consumed with weeds. If you don't believe me, let a yard go. 
Just let it go. Don't don't cut it. Don't do anything with it. Let the weeds grow in it and let the weeds start reproducing in it. And after a while, that whole yard can be pretty. And next thing you know, it is consumed with weeds because it's been neglected. In the same way with the soul. And those weeds will actually choke out the grass. And my point to you is, it's the same way with the soul. All of this stuff that we pursue and, and, and chase after that consumes our thought process, our mind, and, and, and all, our, all of our lives, it actually chokes out the word. It chokes the word out. And when it chokes the word out, the word actually becomes what we say unfruitful. It doesn't produce anything in our lives. Okay? So... And then the third thing is this. The third thing is when we give in to passion, guess what we do? We surrender our soul. We surrender our soul. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse number 2, 1 Peter chapter 1 Peter 2:11 says this. It says it says it says the flesh wages war against the soul. In other words, what it's telling us is, it's saying now it wages war against the soul. It, and, 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 and at some point, when we give in to passion, we surrender our soul. And we're saying to the enemy of our soul, you win. I give up. It's yours. Do what you want with it. Do what you will with my soul. I'm surrendering from the fight. I'm yielding to the war that's being waged against my soul. I'm yielding to the war that's being waged against my soul. And we surrender our soul to the enemy. And then what did I say? The soul is where everything all good things and everything in life comes from. Everything you can see came from the soul. So if I yield my soul to the enemy and now the enemy is operating within my soul, guess what? Eventually evil starts to proceed from my soul. Evil starts to come from my soul. Why? Because I've yielded it. I've given it up. And that's what happens to people that have not yielded and given themselves to Jesus. Their soul is, is, is controlled or dominated. They've given it to the enemy because they are passion-led. They've given over, they, they, they've given up in the war against passion, the passions of the soul. They've given up on that, in, in waging that war. They stopped fighting that war. They stopped fighting it. And because they have stopped fighting it, guess what? They surrendered. They gave up. So now the enemy just does what he wants. He does what he wants in the, in the soul. So, you know, the first step to heaven is to see the value of your soul. And see, most people don't understand the value of the soul. They're living in the now, and they don't understand that this, this life is temporal. James said it this way, what is your life? It is as a vapor that appears for a little while and then, <coughs> and then it vanishes away. It vanishes. 
So what he's telling us is, he said, now, this life that you see, this, these, these people that you see, it's, it's for a moment. It's temporal. It's like a vapor. It's like spraying Lysol in the air. You see it for just a second, and then it's gone. And he said, that's what this life is like. That's what this life is like. It's a vapor. And I'm telling you, it's a vapor. Because it seemed like it was just yesterday I was 20 years old. And my goodness, how time has passed. And that's, what I, that's my message to young people. You know, when you're young, you think that, man, it's going to be like this forever. But let me tell you something. That stuff creeps up on you so quickly, so subtly, until one place, next, next thing you know, you realize, man, I ain't never had no problem with bottom of my feet hurting. Now all of a sudden my feet hurting. Next thing you know, my knees are bothering me. Next thing you know, my back's starting to give me trouble. And then, you know, eventually some of those things that you did while you were young, they come back to haunt you. You played football. I used to lift heavy weights, and guess what? I experienced trouble with my back because uh, a doctor told me that when you put all that young weight, put, that, put all that weight on a young boy whose back has not fully developed, you actually run the risk of damaging their spines. And then they have problems for the rest of their lives with it and don't really realize that they should not have been trying to live four or 500 pounds when they were young. We pay the cost for it. And what I'm trying to get you to see is our lives are like a vapor. We only have a little time here. You know, so the first step towards heaven is to see the value of your soul. That's the first step to get to heaven. The, the soul that is saved is the one given to Jesus Christ. You have called me to love God with all my heart and all my soul. And guess what? I got to admit to him that I hadn't done it. You've called me to a purity of soul, and I haven't got it. And without you, I will starve my soul, strangle my soul, and surrender my soul to the enemy. You got to come to Jesus and tell him you need him. And I need you to be the Lord and Savior and the captain of my soul. I need you to feed this soul, to guard this soul, to become the shepherd of my soul. And I need you to save my soul. And then what do I do after that? I'm, uh, so I'm going to give you my entire I'm going to give my entire life over to you. Place my whole self in your hands. I'm going to ask Jesus for mercy, to have mercy on me. I'm going to ask him to take away this stony heart and give me a heart that loves him, that desires him and submits to him. And I ask you this question again. What does it profit? What does it profit? To gain all of the temporal and lose the eternal. What does it profit if I own everything? Can you imagine that? And see, that's why the devil don't mind giving us things because he knows that we become satisfied with peace in this life. We become satisfied and content because we have certain things in this life. I got money in the bank. I got a house, I got a car, I got this, I got that, I got a 401k, I got a retirement plan, I got all this other stuff. I got two or three cars, I got a business, I got this. I got 
and, and, and we become content with these things. And he makes us content at the expense of our soul. He, he, he makes us neglect our soul. When we're at peace, most of the time, we don't pay attention. We don't give our soul what it needs. I'm going to tell you something. When things are good, when life is good, people don't read the word like they should. People don't pray like they should. And it's sad that the word and prayer has become a symbol of relief from the pressures and frustrations and aggravations of life. It has become a relief valve. It's become what I, it, it, it's become what I do when things are not like they should be or I want them to be. But as long as things are good, I don't really have a need for the word or for prayer or for the church. I don't really have a need for it. And that's the mindset of people because life is good. And see, the devil will deceive us like the rich man in Luke chapter 12 and, 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 and when he said, man, I, man, I got, I got so much stuff, man, it's, it's, it's just an just overfill. I got, I got to build some more barns. I got too much stuff. And so he, he was deceived into believing that, man, his life, life is good. He's, he, he's going to enter into retirement. I got enough to last me uh, forever, man. And then a voice came to him and said, thou fool, this night shall your, thy soul be required of thee. And then who are those things going to be that you've stored up? Who's going to get them? And let me say this. Is your soul worth this junk? Because listen to me good. Everything that we buy is junk. Let me tell you why I know it's junk. Because you got to keep buying it. You got to buy it again. You got to buy it again. You got to buy it again. That house, you got to keep working on it. You got to keep painting it. You got to keep fixing it. You got to keep repairing it. You got to keep working on it. That car, it's got to go to the shop. You got to change the oil on it. You got to put new tires on it. Cause why? Because the tires are wearing out. You got to put new brakes on because the brakes are wearing out. You got to put new belts on because the belts are wearing out. You got to do all this work to it because it's junk. There's one thing that's eternal, and we neglect working on it and the maintenance of it and the maintaining of it and the repairing and the keeping of it, and that is our soul. We neglect it. And we need to come to Jesus. We need to come to Jesus. He's the Savior, the Bishop of my soul. He's the Bishop of my soul. And I need to come to him. And I need to give my life to him. I need to give him not some of me, but all of me. And let him do what he will and he chooses to do in this soul of mine. Let us pray. Lord, we just bless you. We praise you. We worship you. We honor you. We thank you for giving us a part of you that will cause us to last and live eternally, live forever. And so, Lord, I'm asking you today to work, to move in us, to create a hunger, thirst, and a desire in us for you, for more of you, for more of you, for more of you. Take out this heart of stone and place into us a heart of flesh. Take out of me, Lord God, these desires that are contrary to you and help me to gain those desires that long for you, that want to live for you. Give me a heart that loves you and seeks you, hungers and thirsts 
after you. Take away all these things that's destroying my life and destroying my soul. Help me, Lord, to wage war against the things that wage, that's waging war against my soul. So that when I part this life and my body is buried in a grave, ashes turn, return to ashes and dust to dust, my eternal soul will live with you forever. Not in misery, not in eternal misery, but in eternal joy. Help me to give it all to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. I give myself away. Give myself away so you can use me. I give myself away. I give myself away so you can. Come on, let him know. I give myself. myself away so you can use me. I give myself away. What would happen if a generation embraced this? Come on, tell me. Here I am. Here I am.
Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed what you heard, make sure to subscribe and share with somebody you know. And tune in next week for more sermons from Truth and Love Ministries Church.